This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We'll start things out by going to the next state over. We do the show from New Hampshire, but occasionally things happen in uh, Maine that are worth talking about. Of course, around the, this isn't a New Hampshire-based show. I don't want to make it sound like that. Uh, but we go to our neighboring state of Maine to uh, the police department. Wayne, what's going on over there? Well, the, a Maine sheriff there is cutting ties with the, the drug enforcement agency of that state. According to the Bangor Daily News... Uh, Sheriff Donnie Smith of the Washington County Sheriff's Department has ordered his staff members not to work with the main dr- drug enforcement agency until further notice. I think that's great news. What what's the 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 uh, reason behind this? Well, he says until further notice, all operations with Maine Drug Enforcement Agency are suspended. The memo he put out reads: No personnel from the Washington County Sheriff's Office will participate in any operation involving Maine and drug drug enforcement. On Sunday, Smith, the sheriff, um, let's see where am I? said a DVD he recently acquired uh, shows the MDEA agent engaging in disturbing behavior, uh, and that's the reason behind this decision. He declined to identify the agent. But what was the behavior? Do we know? Uh, Yes. It says here, uh, Smith said the video is about two hours long and is believed to have been recorded in the summer of 2006. It shows MDEA agent, an agent, in an apparent attempt of humor, flashing his badge, drinking a beer, and then driving off in a car. It also shows the agent and others discharging weapons and engaging in activity Smith called indecent exposure. One of the other people in the two-year-old video is a man who recently was convicted and sentenced for possession of child pornography, the sheriff said. Smith said if the agent was intoxicated when he fired his weapons, he could be charged with reckless, reckless conduct. Hmm. Well, so it's not anything uh, based on the, the, you know, the fact that I was hoping he'd got a law enforcement against prohibition DVD and all of a sudden found some principles. No, uh, but I was it, hoping to, so too. But it just shows that at least he has some principles not to cover that up and to uh, yes. put them on notice that they need to clean up their behavior and, and behave professionally. Well, and it also gives you some sort of insight into the way many of these police officers behave when they think no one's looking, when they, uh, you know, they're not around the members of the public. Uh, to to where they could see this sort of behavior, and I think this is far more common than you might possibly believe. You know, a bunch of yahoos basically whooping it up and uh, doing everything from drinking and driving to indecent exposure, as you uh, as you just reported there. And so I I think the guy should be congratulated for as you said, just letting this be known. Yeah, you know, a sheriff is supposed to be the highest ranking uh, law enforcement agent in his county. So he has the total authority to do this. In fact, he can keep the feds out if he wants to. I wish more people would do that, as a matter of fact. But then again, they would then have their budgets cut uh, because then the federal government wouldn't send them any more drug enforcement money, and that's the last thing they want to happen. Well, you know, um, they they said it was uh, disturbing behavior, and I I guess um, I I don't know whether you know any crimes were committed or anything like that. But it does seem like uh, to some extent he's. Still doing the old standby of protecting uh, the, the the brothers in blue. Now, how is he protecting them? Well, I mean, it, rather than not saying not work with them, he's the sheriff of that county. If they come in that county, he can arrest them. Okay, this is true. Uh, but then again, perhaps the tape doesn't have enough evidence to really show that a crime was committed. I mean, if if the guy takes a swig of beer and then gets in and drives off, there's there's no real evidence there that he was DUI right. necessarily. 
So that might be the issue. It's a bit hypocritical with all the crackdowns they're doing on, on DUIs that you see members of uh, the, the Drug Enforcement Agency of the state uh, abusing the same laws they're supposed to be upholding. I think the most telling example of that that we've at least talked about in recent times on this show has to be the the D.C., Washington, D.C. gathering of police from all across the country. Essentially, it's like a police convention that they have. I don't, I don't recall the name of the police convention, but that's basically what it is. And, and, of course, the usual convention things go on. When you go to a convention, people usually get a little drunk. They uh, get a little wild sometimes, but in the case of the police, they can get drunk without any penalty and get wild without penalty. So what happened uh, was that the people in the neighborhood where this was going on were videotaping the just pandemonium going on outside their houses, <laughs> pandemonium. Uh, where the police were literally just out in the street driving drunk. Uh, they were yelling at the top of their lungs and just being awful. Being, They would have arrested themselves had they not been police officers doing that very same thing. And it really just just shows that there's this double standard out there where the police can do uh, the same things we would do and, and not get arrested, where we would be spending nights in jail if we did the same thing. I'm curious if these cops, as they all converge into Washington, D.C., if they're allowed to pack heat because they're cops. Probably. Probably. Seems likely. Because it's illegal to, to pack heat if, unless you're a cop or you have a special uh, permit there. Right. It's very and, strict. And in, in many cases, uh, the, you know, what, what was going on in D.C. was actually being observed by on-duty D.C. police officers. And they, of course, were just standing by. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's Go funny them, when guys. the cops break the law, right? Well, you know, I mean, they just... It's you know that seems to be the way it is. You know why do why do police have this? Uh, have you ever seen this little uh, black and blue sticker? It's it's just a blue line. Yeah, the um, thin blue line. Yeah, the, the thin blue line sticker that goes on the back of their cars. Keep an eye out out there for it. It it looks like uh, sort of like the flag of France, where the top band is black and the mm-hmm. bottom band is black, and the middle one is blue. Why do they have a sticker on the back of their car that says, "Hey, I'm a cop." We know why. I think I think it's clear. It's obvious why they have a sticker that says "I'm a cop" on the back of their it's the car. The same reason the Crips and the Bloods wear their colors. <laughs> you know what used to really tick me off is that when I lived in Florida, you'd have all these different police organizations who would call you to get you to donate seventy-five dollars, oh, so, yeah. so you could get this sticker for the back of your car. And I'd and I'd say to them, "Are you implying that if I if I put the sticker on my car, I won't get a mm-hmm. ticket?" And then they'd backpedal, you know. And I oh, <laughs> we would never imply that. <laughs> yeah, but they but they try to imply it, like you know, if if you do this, you know, then you'll be looked. Uh, on great favor by the police officers uh-huh. because you got the sticker on your car and I, it really aggravated me. You know, whenever those guys call me and they uh, up until recently I still had my old F- Florida phone number. I don't have it anymore, but they would still obviously thinking I was living in Florida because I had a Florida area code. Uh, they would call and ask for for money, and I would always tell them the same thing, and that is that you know what, as soon as you guys stop enforcing bad laws, I'd be happy to contribute a little bit of money to your little campaign. And I don't even mind contributing, but you know the the people that they're putting in charge of calling people. Are are push, pushing the limits there in what they're saying, I think, and what they're trying to imply. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Here's another uh, story in regards to the police. This one out of Cookville, Tennessee. Speaking of corruption, this is a big one because there are a bunch of cops involved. A lawsuit was filed on Thursday accusing Cookville police of using excessive force and planting contraband during a domestic assault arrest last year. One officer has been placed on leave because of the incident, and five others are named in the federal lawsuit. 
Now, the police caught themselves being naughty on their own in-car, uh, their own dash cam video mm-hmm. here. Uh, police car video from the Cookville Police Department captured the incident that triggered the lawsuit. On the night of June 4th last year, Carlos Farrell was stopped by police on a domestic assault warrant. According to the lawsuit, Farrell's ex-wife Tiffany saw Farrell, called police, and was involved in the initial chase. Once Farrell came to a stop, he was ordered out of the car by Cookville Police Officer Chris Melton. Put your hands up and get out of the car, Melton is heard telling Farrell on the tape. Farrell, who's 28, exits the car with his arms raised while Officer Jeff Johnson is holding the police department's police dog. The video shows the dog biting Farrell several times. Now, there was no reason to sick the dog on this guy. I saw the raw video that they're talking about. It's, it wasn't very good audio, so it's not worth playing on the air. But the guy gets out of the car, and they immediately sick the dog on him. He hasn't done anything. There's an attorney, uh, Blair Dunham, representing him. Well, you know, it's it's a situation of give a man a hammer. When was the last time the officer actually got to sick the dog on somebody? He's you been know? waiting to do that, right? I mean, why did the, why did a guy get into the canine corps in the police uh, department in the first place? According to the attorney for the man, the dog is released. The dog then chews into Mr. Farrell's leg, where, of course, he goes to the ground. Your dog just ate my leg off, Farrell said on the tape. Durham also accused Melton of planting drugs on Farrell. In the dashcam video, Melton is seen searching Farrell's pockets a number of times. Then, Durham said, another officer appears to give a signal with his hand, at which point Melton then reaches into his right pocket and looks into the camera. It's at that point on the tape that Durham said Melton appears to put drugs into Farrell's pocket. Hmm. Whoa, Carlos, weed! Now you got another freaking charge. How about that? Melton told Farrell in the video. He's been placed on administrative leave with pay, of course. A little bit more on this story and your calls as well at 800-259-9231. Plus, out in Los Angeles, looks like there's a new law on the books about your dogs and cats. Oh, no. Something is going to become mandatory. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams there. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well. So go there to enjoy for free at freetalklive.com, March 12th through the 15th. Is the 56th running of the Mobile 112 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida. The world's fastest sports cars will be battling for 12 hours on the famous Sebring Road Course. For tickets and information, call 1 800 626 RACE or visit SebringRaceway.com March 12th through the 15th. You don't want to miss it, at least if you love racing or if you love a big party. The Sebring 12 Hours, uh, the, uh, 12 hours of Sebring is the way to go. Back to the story here out of uh, Cookville, Tennessee, where five police officers have been indicted. Uh, There's a lawsuit that has been filed by a a man who was framed, or at least that's what he's claiming. In fact, he's also claiming the evidence that he was framed is actually on the police car's uh, in-dash camera on that videotape. So the cops caught themselves in the act, basically. And uh, according to WSMV.com, the story is this guy uh, was pulled over after a domestic incident. And as soon as he exited his car, as he was requested, you know, ordered by the police to do, as soon as he exited his car, 
Not only did they turn a dog loose on him. Now remember, he wasn't running away. That's usually one of the reasons why they'll turn a dog loose. If a suspect is running away and they've ordered him to stop and he doesn't stop, they'll turn the dog loose and the dog will go and take him down. The guy did not run nor make even an effort to run. He just got out of his car and they sicked the dog on him. Now why do they want this guy? Why are they giving him trouble? Well, he's been in trouble before. Uh, according to records, Farrell has two DUIs and a previous drug possession charge. Okay. So it's just one of those things, Mark, where if you've been inside the system, if you've been victimized by the system before, if you've been busted for marijuana, they're going to try to get you again. Right. Because if they've gotten you once, they'll get you again. Well, they feel like this is a bad guy. You know, this guy's an, this guy's an actor and, and you know, we need to, he needs to be taken out just because he doesn't have anything on him right now. You know, doesn't mean that he won't in the future kind right. of thing. So after sicking the dog on him and the dog biting him several times, uh, then you can see on the video where one particular cop, the, the main cop that is under suspicion here, is seen searching his pockets multiple times. So he searches a pocket at least, you know, more than once. You'd think if you searched the pocket, you would know that there was nothing in there the first time. Right. And uh, then... At one point, another officer gives a signal with his hand where the other officer who'd already been doing the searching then reaches into the pocket and then finds marijuana. Oh, look at here, boys. Look at what we got. Were these videos obtained, uh, these police videos obtained through a court order? Because why would they release those to the public? They didn't catch it on there? I I don't know about that, Wayne. There have been a few videos recently from various different police departments around the country that have been pretty damning towards the police that have managed to uh, be released. Some of them have been uh, suppressed, but some have come out. So I don't know what the process is there and why the police departments are releasing these things. And maybe you're right. Maybe they just didn't think that there was anything on there but uh the the allegation here is that the cops planted this uh these drugs on him says here uh there's a that's a complete drug plan is what i'm alleging said the attorney it's a complete unlawful search first of all and it's a planting of paraphernalia cookville police said they're cooperating with the tennessee bureau of investigation a representative said the department's not trying to hide anything it doesn't want to look like it is uh, police took Farrell to an area hospital for treatment of his injuries. By the way, Farrell has never been arrested on any violent offenses, only on DUI and drug possession in the past. Hmm. So uh, here you have yet another example that should give you some idea, should hint to you how widespread police corruption really is. Now, this is from Tennessee, which is, by the way, the same, I believe, the same state that the Eugene Seiler case came out of a couple of years ago, which we played the audio from. Well, it's it's dis- what's disturbing to me is it's five police officers were indicted on this. This isn't a cup. This isn't a guy. This isn't a guy and his partner that are you know uh, bad guys. This is five dudes, and to me that that says there's some kind of pattern going on. That 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 well, means that they. I, I don't know how this happens, but there's some kind of uh, atmosphere, some kind of uh, you know, it's a good training old boys club. somehow or another that goes on to teach these guys how to do this kind of crap. Sure there is. Absolutely. And that's what I'm pointing out here. Is this, this is just a hint to you as to how widespread and prolific this is amongst the police departments around this country. Uh, in that they have a signal. There's a secret hand signal that they've figured out amongst themselves as to, okay, it's time to plant the drugs now. They had all this planned out, okay? And to give you another example of this, as I mentioned, the Eugene Seiler case, go online and punch that in, S-I-L-E-R, Eugene Seiler. And we played the audio on the air a couple of years ago 
This guy was also a suspected drug dealer. And what happened was five cops, I don't think it was from the same department, but I believe it was also Tennessee. Five cops went over to his house off the record in plain clothes and his wife and he saw them coming and they started a tape recorder. They placed it out of sight of the police. It was up on top of a shelf or something like that to where, you know, out of sight, out of mind uh, for the police uh, that came in. They then came in and they took the woman out of the house, then proceeded to torture Eugene Seiler for over two hours. There's really no other way to describe what uh, what they did. I mean, I listened to it, too. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 and what were they torturing him for? Do you remember? Well, they wanted to get a confession out That's of That's right. They had a, a confession already made up, and they wanted him to sign that confession, and he refused to do it. So because he refused to sign the confession, they did all kinds of awful things to him. I mean, the, the tape went on for 45 minutes straight. The only reason we had to get all two hours is because the tape ended. Just stopped recording because there was no one there to turn it over at right. that point. Right, it's, it's audio cassette tape. I mean, yeah. You know, what, what do they stop after, 40 minutes, you said? It was 45. I think it was about 45 minutes. Sounds right. Depends on the tape. I remember. And the... it, was, it was horrifying listening to this man screaming and listening to these brutal thugs just treating him like a piece of trash. And that was also another look into the world of the real police departments around this country, the real cops. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some good guys out there, some I, of them. I, you know, but they're I, not on the drug squad. I can tell you that. Sometimes, um, you know, I'm sure that I know it happens. I absolutely know it happens. I don't think that most cops do this, but um, you know, I know it happens. And and it's disturbing in this case um, that uh, you're talking about five dudes, groups, yeah, yeah groups, groups of, of cops. Them. It was a group of cops that did it to Eugene Seiler, and it was a group of cops that just uh, abused this man, Carlos Farrell, in Cookville, Tennessee. You know, so, there's, a, there's a black hole that you can fall into when you become a cop, and it's not that hard to fall into. It can happen slowly or quickly, and it's very, very difficult to keep above that, to, fl- to float above that black hole, because once you go into it, you just keep falling. Uh, there's a lot of stress on the job. Uh, there's a lot of danger, and, uh, and a lot of these police officers don't know how to handle it, or they might not be completely integrous to begin with. Can you imagine how scary it might be to be one of the good guys and find out that your coworkers are like these guys? No. That yes. your coworkers are dangerous, violent thugs? Can you imagine how frightening that might be and that you are too scared to to uh, to essentially snitch out your coworkers for all the awful things they're doing because well, you're worried about what they might do to you or your wife or your children? Well, those if, guys end up leaving the force. That's true. They do. In fact, we've heard from them, and they've told us that that's what they end up doing, is leaving. It's they not can't... snitching, it's enforcing the law. Well, okay, fine, that's right. More on the way, you take control, it's Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there, totally free, including live streams, uh, bulletin board system, archives, all of that. We give it away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for similar features. We do it free, so enjoy. FreeTalkLive.com. Soviet-style central planning doesn't work. So what's the best way to reach out to liberty lovers? 
Google Ads, Direct Mail, Free Talk Live, only you know what's best. You choose what project is worthy of your dollar. Go to freestateproject.org slash donate and choose how you want to contribute. That's freestateproject.org slash donate. 800-259-9231. Still to come, we'll tell you what's going on out in uh, Los Angeles when it comes to your pets. Uh, But first, uh, continuing on the police state, or rather the uh, out-of-control cop police corruption theme that we've got this hour. Here's one from Austin area. Statesman.com reporting that during a four-month period in 2006, Austin police officer Scott Lando hired for sex a woman he met while investigating a report that she was assaulted, sometimes meeting her while he was on duty, Mm. and at least once taking her to his house, according to a search warrant affidavit. As part of her payment, Officer Lando opened his wife's closet to the woman, oh God. allowing her to take a pair of black Harley-Davidson leather, uh, leather boots that were still in the box, jewel-studded jeans, and a pink and yellow top, said the affidavit. Honey, where are he, my boots? He's in big, big trouble. Lando, who's 45, <laughs> told the woman that his wife would never miss the clothes, according to the document. The woman, Denise Pfeiffer, also told investigators that Lando took her on shopping trips to Walmart and a North Austin Payless shoe source. Paid for a meal at a restaurant on uh, in the in town there, and also allowed her to take a bath in a whirlpool tub at his Cedar Park home. God, he Police... is in big, big trouble. <laughs> He's in big. Oh man! Police officials said Wednesday that Lando, who has been an officer for five years, and it is in, uh, once again just to interrupt here. These stories so often of police corruption so often involve guys that have been on the squad for years upon years. It's very rare that you'll see a story about some rookie getting busted doing something. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm going to call this corruption. Uh, this is a guy who um, had some bad judgment as far as, uh, you know, his you know uh, romantic relationships. I think it's fair to call it corruption because these people posture themselves as your moral superiors and they posture themselves as our betters. And the idea from them is that, well, you citizens shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be hiring prostitutes because that's against the law. But then they go and do it themselves. I bet he loved I his call job that corruption. There. I bet he loved his job there for a while. I bet. Well, yeah, absolutely. Very privileged uh, that he, you know, he he probably felt he was invincible. Probably felt he uh, could never be caught. And who knows? Maybe this wasn't the first woman that he'd done this with. So well, but, I think corruption's an at least a somewhat accurate word here. Mark. I, I I I see where you're coming from. It seems to me the worst thing that happened here, from a taxpayer standpoint, was that some of this occurred while he was on duty. Um, you know, obviously, I I have to second guess uh, what he was doing as far as uh, you know with the romantic relationship, having a wife and all that stuff. I'm sure she is madder than hell. But um, that's you know that's their problem, not mine. Well, I think that prostitution should be legal. So I think that what he was doing beyond the on-duty part, but the the actual act of hiring a woman for sex, I think that should be fully legal, okay? so And I think selling drugs should be legal as well. It's just when the cops are engaging in the activity that they would arrest the rest of us for, I find that highly suspect and uh, worth talking about. Yeah. He should do it on oh. his own time, too. Right. Yeah. Let's continue here, though. Authorities... Uh, it's an the, interesting story, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, they searched his home late last month to verify whether the woman had accurately described his interior. Investigators also Ruh-roh. took photos of Lando's <laughs> tattoos, which the affidavit said normally would be covered by clothing. Uh, police chief said, we'll leave no stone unturned to get to the truth. and We'll take appropriate action, <laughs> if any. Moral of the story, don't get any tattoos. Lando's attorney said his client denies having a relationship with the woman. I'm sure he does. <laughs> if she's been in his house, it was without his knowledge or permission. Oh, that's right. So now it's a conspiracy. She's a, she's a stalker. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, Pfeiffer was sentenced to five years in prison on charges of burglary of a habitation. Records show she was released on parole, uh, was sent back to prison on a uh, VOP. She says she has no prostitution convictions, according to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. In June, detectives went to the Travis County Jail to interview a woman who'd been arrested on prostitution charges, and she told them that a woman she knew was doing tricks with Lando. Investigators interviewed Pfeiffer at a prison in Burnett. She told them that she had had sex with Lando several times uh, back in uh, 2006. She told detectives she met Lando after calling police to report she'd been assaulted, although the affidavit said investigators never found a police report for the assault. So it sounds like she called the cops. This guy, this cop, was the cop that happened to be assigned to cover the case. He went over there, and they had some words. I'm not sure how that got started, you know. How did that how know. that conversation come up? I'm not sure, but uh, he never filled out a report for that assault. Hmm. So things must have started in earnest right about then. According to uh, according to the woman, she said that he wanted to have sex with her, and she told him that it was going to cost him. He paid her <laughs> seventy bucks. Pfeiffer told police that Lando drove her She's in. Not an expensive hooker. <laughs> they then drove to a really sexy place to do it, a construction site where he then took her in uh, his patrol car to said construction site where they had sex. Uh, Pfeiffer told investigators the last time they met, Lando took her to his house. She described the home in detail, including that it was being remodeled at the time. Police said in the affidavit, He's on a big trouble preliminary visit, they noticed several things that appeared as Pfeiffer described. They also met with Lando's wife, who told them she was missing items from her closet, but assumed they'd been taken by a neighborhood kid. Yeah. There you go. Why would a, how would a neighborhood kid get in her house? Breaking and entering, I suppose. I don't know. Just another story of yeah. uh, the unending world of police corruption. Here's another one from Austin. Westlake Hills, in case you think this is you know just the occasional bad apple, two from the same uh, police department, or same area. Lake, uh, Lake Hills Police Chief Clifford Spraylin got quite a shock recently. Officials with the Texas Attorney General's office showed up on the police station's doorstep. He said they informed me they had a warrant for one of my officers for solicitation of a minor and that they intended to take him away they left with a near three-year veteran paul kirksey he's been charged with online solicitation of a minor Mm. for months the attorney genitals cyber crimes unit investigated him investigators said kirksey even emailed explicit pictures of himself to an undercover officer posing as a 13 year old girl now once again in, in this particular instance i don't think that what this guy did should be illegal it's tacky it's what? kind of weird talking to uh, thirteen, soliciting thirteen-year-old girls on the internet. Say, if you want to send naked pictures of yourself to somebody, I don't think there should be a crime there. There's no, there's no victim. No one has actually been harmed. Well, unless you're really ugly. And you, I, I you and want... I can't agree on that particular, um, you know, uh, number. But I see what you're saying. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't agree? You're What's wrong with that? Sending naked pictures to thirteen-year-old girls. She asked for him. <laughs> and you don't know how old she is when. You know, it's just you didn't have I, to open them. I have a real aversion to sending naked pictures of myself to anybody. Plus, the uh, the issue here is the so fact my that wife. You know, <laughs> well, and the fact is there my wasn't wife. a 13-year-old girl, so there really wasn't even a victim in this case. Even if you could argue that there was somehow a, there would be a victim if you sent a naked picture to a, an underage teenager. Let me continue the story. 
A little more than three months ago, a former Elgin police officer was arrested for collecting child pornography on his work computer. Mm, nice. A year before that, a, another local police officer was arrested for child pornography. And in 2005, an Austin police detective was indi- indicted for possession and transportation of child pornography. Well, maybe they were just gathering evidence against other people. <laughs> well, who knows what they claimed, but uh, the fact is they went down. A spokesperson for the AG said he's not surprised, saying these are members from society that sometimes some people th- wouldn't think would be engaged in this type of activity. We've had very, several very successful individuals and professionals. I, I think he's referring to we've caught uh, very successful individuals and professionals. But it does come to a shock uh, for the police department there where they claim something like this has never happened before. He is, of course, on paid administrative leave until the attorney general's investigation is complete. So yet another perverted police officer busted. And it really goes to, once again, point out that people that are interested in interacting in a sexual way with teenagers like this guy, they seek out jobs like this. Jobs of power. Yeah. They absolutely do. Jobs where they will encounter teenagers, whether it be police officer, teacher, priest. 800-259-9231. If you've got a story you want to chime in on this... Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. And what's the solution to all this? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then AMP. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. It costs you all of three bucks a month, and it's totally voluntary. You'll get some perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in line, AMP-only chat room forum, uh, the AMP-only shrine of female listeners. There's a few perks out there for you. Uh, and the big point of the program is that your $3 will help us get on more radio stations around the country and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. Now, I said that we were going to look briefly at a possible solution for a lot of this police corruption that we've been talking about all hour. And there are several different levels of solutions. The number one easiest solution is to re-legalize drugs and prostitution and gambling. Yeah. If you get rid of the vice crimes, which is where, you know, just so much of the money from these uh, police organizations come from. They get, uh, you know, they get funding from the state level, fun- funding from the federal level um, to do this, um, these things to, uh, you know, and, and crack down on behavior that's entirely consensual. And with that gives them too much power. And then they abuse it like Absolutely. human beings tend to do. Now, that's something that we can do under the current system. That's something that can be done with the government that we have today. To take it a step further is to eliminate government police and replace it with market-based alternatives. Uh, Basically, the idea would be that if we had protection agencies that we were hiring to protect us, to protect our families and our businesses and our homes, if we were hiring these people, then they would be under a contract it would be very explicit what services they are to provide to us. You know, those services would include uh, taking someone off of your land if they were causing trouble, if someone was being violent, uh, stopping that situation. Real protection. None of this nonsense about uh, stopping at stop signs or speeding or drug enforcement. None of that crap that we see the police departments enforcing most often today. So we would have a contractual situation 
which would also mean that these people would not be authorities as much as they would be employees or they would be contractors. Right. And so they'd so be they kind of like have they'd be kind of like security at a um you know a, a gated community. Right. Imagine uh, you know or uh, Disney. Yeah, or something like that. But, I mean, you know, from a gated community, people can certainly understand that they have a little security guard that rides around, you know, and takes a look at things and and makes sure that uh, everything's all right. That guy is working for you. And he's not going to come in your house and rifle through your dresser drawers trying to put you in jail. He's going to try to keep bad guys from coming into your house. Um, Also... Lots of businesses, before cops were a, a, a big thing, lots of businesses paid for security on site. You don't think that the, uh, that the businesses want their customers getting mugged in the parking lot, do you? Certainly not. Well, if, if you start thinking about it, those are the only places you really are. You're at home and you're at a business. Mm-hmm. Some business, somewhere. So taking, uh, taking protection out of the hands of government removes the, the authoritarian demeanor from the entire process... And uh, it'll it'll affect the way people look at at uh, the security forces. It's not to say they won't won't be frightened of them. In that, if you're doing something wrong, these security forces will have the uh, the ability to go after you and stop you from harming another person. So it's not that they won't be trained, and it's not like they won't be effective. It's just that they won't have that authoritarian demeanor. Because if if a sadist, right, they won't be endowed by God with the 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 the, the moral authority over you. Right. In the current situation with the government police. Because they have power, because they believe they have power over others, it naturally attracts those who would like to wield that power. Again, just the caveat, there are some good guys in the police department that didn't join to wield power. They joined to make things better. And those are the guys that would stick in, stick with the business. Those are the guys that would uh, would be hired by these protection services, the, the friendly uh, police officers that are there to help and make things better, instead of the sickos that are just looking to uh, enrich themselves or, or uh, you know, be sadistic over some, uh, some, some people that are weaker than they are. Or get laid. Yeah, whatever it is, using their authority and their power to to get things that they want for themselves. Those people would be gone because employers, if they got complaints, the the protection uh, people that were running the businesses, if they got complaints about one of their officers, there would be a real investigation because if people were complaining, that means their customers are upset. Yeah. And if you've got upset customers and you don't make things right – those customers are going across town to the competition. Right. You don't. It, things don't last long for you. Which, that doesn't happen today. There's no customer service basis to the government police. Right. If you've got a problem... If you don't like the cops, you can't... You know, the only thing you can do is move. Mm-hmm. If, if you have a problem with the government police... The the most that will ever happen is the police will do some sort of perfunctory investigation. They'll claim to investigate themselves, and then 99 of 100 times they come back and say, well, it looks like everything was by the book. Sure, he cracked your head against the pavement, but <laughs> that's just how we do things around here. You know, that's how it always usually happens. Uh, very rarely will one of the government police guys actually get in trouble for doing something awful. Whereas I don't know about 99 t- times out of 100, like that. but it's it, uh, nine times out of 10, I'll give you. More often than not, certainly. And so changing the incentives would completely change the way these people behave. It would change the people in the business. And if the customers can pull their business, then if that business doesn't shape up, it's curtains for them. I also like the idea of restitution when someone injures another person in any way, rather than just being thrown into the can for X number of years. In many cases, restitution is far more effective and less expensive. Sure, and that would change the crime side of things as well. That would help lower uh, the crime that we see beyond, beyond ending the war on drugs and ending those other silly uh, prohibitions. 
changing to a system of restitution would go a long way to prohibit, or not to prohibit, but to prevent crime. In that if criminals know that they're going to actually have to pay back their victims, they're going to be less likely to commit the crime in the first place. Whereas today, they know they can go and commit a whole bunch of crimes, and if they get caught, they're just going to have to sit in a jail cell for a certain number of days. If they, for instance, have uh, stolen a bunch of stuff and hidden it very well, they get out of jail and they can go right to their stash, and they get to keep the spoils, of, you know, their booty, essentially. Well, I don't, I, I, I have to disagree that I think that that's going to matter much. Essentially, punishment doesn't work um, very well. I mean, there's all kinds of psychological uh, studies out there that say that punishment doesn't work. So, I don't think that uh, criminals are criminals aren't thinking about getting caught. They're just not imagining what's going to happen when they get caught. It doesn't matter whether it's the death penalty or whether it's uh, you know paying restitution or whether it's jail time. It doesn't really matter to them. I think you're wrong about that. I think criminals, a lot of criminals do think about things in advance before they do them. Certainly the crackhead that's seething and needs another fix isn't doing much thinking. But the professionals out there are absolutely weighing their options before of, they go on a job. A lot of criminals get started young, too. And if they get caught early and they have to pay, they, they have to work after school, if they're caught early... Having to pay back and see see consequences early, there's less. I think in some cases they're less likely to keep on that path of crime. Wouldn't you think, Mark? I I, um, I don't know that there's. I don't see any difference between restitution and keeping someone in jail, other than keeping someone in jail victimizes society. So first the criminal victimizes somebody by stealing their stuff or hurting them or whatever, and then they victimize that same person because they have to pay their taxes, and then everyone else because they have to support them. I I don't think that the. Uh, I I really I don't know what the differences are. What I can tell you is putting somebody in a um, state school, which you know for for boys or something like that, or prison, does teach criminals how to be more adept criminals. The criminals sure. get together, they work together. If you just have to, if you force them um, essentially into situations where they have to pay money, otherwise they go into a work camp for indentured servitude. You might have some situations with the indentured servitude camps where you have something similar going on, but the very least, society isn't um, you know taxed by it, and the victim isn't. Victimized twice. Let's go to the phone. And they get something out of the deal. To Pedro in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Pedro. Hello, Florida. Pedro, going once. Pedro, Pedro. going twice. Let's try Mark in Georgia. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. I'm going to fight y'all. Oh, it's it's Mac. Yeah. Hey, Mac. What's <laughs> on your mind tonight? Um, first of all, um, I'm an amplifier now. Oh, Excellent. Congratulations. I uh, normally process amplifiers on a once-a-week basis, so uh, we'll get you your perks definitely by Saturday, probably at the latest. What's uh, what's on your mind tonight, Mac? Um, I wish I knew this yesterday. I found out when I listened to the podcast this morning that y'all was talking about um, traffic ticket horror stories. Sure, there's no end to those. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, was, I got promoted to sergeant in the um, State Guard back in 2006, January mm-hmm. 2006. And a couple of weeks afterwards, I was going to my civilian job. At the time, I was um, working as a custodian mm-hmm. in, a, in the mall. And I, had, I was having car trouble. So, you know, I was on the freeway, so I took the first exit, you know, to get off. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, there was this car following me. Mm-hmm. And the next exit was like about, three, about two or three miles down the road. So as soon as I got the exit, I got blue lighted. The police lit me up. Oh, boy. Woo! Yep. Yeah, so I, I pulled over, and, you know, I had problems with the car. So, you know, please add me a license registration. My my license, not my license. I was driving on permit at the time because I just moved to Georgia, and, my, you know, I was in the process of getting my stuff switched over so I didn't have insurance on the car. Oh, so, man. That's yeah, one mess on I, top of another mess. 
Was there no, more to the story, no. Mac? Huh? huh? Is, is there more to your story? Oh, yeah. Hang on. We'll bring you no? back in hour two. 800-259-9231. Uh, wow. Having car trouble, then you're in the process of transferring registration because you've moved. And you get happen to get pulled over during all of that. And you're, you're a cop, too. So we'll see where that ends. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. Ed Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Still to come, uh, the update from Los Angeles about a new law that might affect your pets. Well, actually, it might affect you if you don't make some changes, I guess. We'll get to that, and uh, this could be something that could spread across the country, for all we know. Uh, but first, we go back to the phones, back to Mac in Georgia. Mac, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, you are a uh, you were a military police officer, or you are, and yeah. you were telling us a story that you were uh, apparently driving a car which was having some trouble one night, and you started pulling off the freeway as the car was having trouble. That's when a cop happened to be behind you, lit up his uh, his lights to pull you over, which, of course, you were actually already in the process of, of doing at that time. Right. And you happened to mention, uh, before we went to break there, that the car you were driving, you were in the middle of transferring registration because you had just moved uh, to, to Georgia, was it, at that time? Yes. And that's where you were going to pick up the story. So what's uh, what's the rest? Okay. So the car... I was I was also getting some stuff fixed. The car was um broken into right before I bought it. I brought it from my grandfather, and the the car was busted up, so I was using a pair of pliers. So that got the suspicion. So they took the pliers away from me. I when guess they did. They yeah. own, when they took the own license, when they took my license, and I told them I didn't have insurance because I was in the process of getting stuff transferred over. So they ran that, and something was up with the own registration. I still don't know what was up. They said the place was altered. Go figure. Anyways. Um, he asked me to get out of the car because he was going to tow the car. <laughs> I said, fine. So the officer, officer came up and um, said he was going to search me. They was going to let me go. So They're going to let him. you go on the side of the road after they took your car? Was that the plan? Yeah. Great. How nice. But we're yeah, going to search you nice. first. I mean, what what, what yeah. reason do they have to search you? Yeah, right. Was there an arrest here? There certainly wasn't an arrest. They're going to let you go. So were they just trying to get you to consent to a search? They, 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 was gonna, they said they was just going to pat me down. Oh, okay, well, that's different state. then. There's a difference between a search and a terry pat, uh, just for those I mean, that are, that are listening. It was, it was a terry pat, my mistake. Okay. Yeah, well, let's let's explain briefly pat. what the difference is, as I understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Mac. The uh, the difference is a police officer is allowed by law to terry pat you, and that's because there was a Supreme Court case, Terry versus the United States. Crappy law. Uh, right. And basically what it allows them to do is, they, the, the, the reason for it is the police officer can claim that he's frightened that you might have a weapon. So the purpose of the terry pat is to reveal any hidden weapons that you might have. And so he can pat down the outside of your clothing, and if he feels what he believes is a weapon, can then uh, reveal what is in that particular pocket. <laughs> so that's the purpose well, of a terry, uh, terry pat. Right. Now, I mean, the reason I said it was a search because it was at the end of the traffic stop. Okay. They, the tow truck already came. I was trying to call. Somebody, because I was trying to get somebody to pick up the vehicle, 
and I couldn't get nobody out, which, which made me pretty angry. And so would no, they have let you – uh, hold on, Mac. Would they have let you take the vehicle away yourself if you could have no. called somebody? They would let somebody take the, the vehicle. Okay, but if you could have gotten someone to take it, they could have taken it where you wanted to take it, as opposed to the police right. just taking it where they wanted to. Right. Okay, not not so bad, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles, right? So, for the officer, like, okay, let me pat you down for his safety. I'm now I'm about to walk off. I'm I'm ready to walk off. I'm already pissed off because I'm working one job and I'm on my way to another job. It's payday, and I'm already broke. Oh no, you were on the way to your other deal. job. Ugh. These things so, always happen at the worst possible time. Well, there's no such thing as a convenient traffic stop. Yeah, that's, that's true. Let me speed up a little. So I was asked if I had any objections. I said, I have, I, I'm bow-legging one leg. I can't spread my leg all the way out. So I spread my leg out fast as far as I could. And the officer, he didn't like that, so he grabbed my leg and yanked it. Oh. It almost made me fall into all kind of traffic. Hmm. Awful. Now, now, I didn't mention that three or four other police officers came up because they called backup. Because you're a big guy, is that why? Yeah, I'm just, at the time I weighed about I weighed about two sixty, two seventy. You're yeah, a big guy, big guy. But six six foot three, six foot two, six foot three. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I was, I was I was angry, but you know, I was trying to be polite at the same time. Yeah, that's so, what you was, that's was, what was, you have to do. Up. Yeah, and I told him I'm not carrying any weapons. I got my keys. I'm on my way to work. I already made me thirty five, forty minutes late to work. Right. You know, my, my job right down the street. Let's let me go ahead and get my job. So, next thing I know, four police officers dogpiled me, handcuffed me, and put me in the car. They the, the, the all f- all four police officers piled onto you after uh, the guy yanked your leg out. Yeah. Wow. Because I got up, I'm like, look, I put my, I put my, my own sweatshirt up. I'm like, look, I don't have nothing on my nothing on me. I'm a cop. I'm a military police sergeant. The rest of the officers are like, no, you're not anymore. What an idiot. So they yeah. arrested you at that point? What happened there after they piled on you? They, they put me in the car. They took me to the station and processed me. And they're on the phone with, um, with the jail to put me on suicide watch. Now, the only thing suicide they got me watch? Was, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. I don't blame I'm pissed you. Off and I'm freaking out. What was the charge? Did they end up charging you with anything or did they just let you go? Um, Failed to maintain lane. Oh, um, wait, was that what they claimed they arrested you for? Failure to maintain was, the lane? That's what they pulled me over for. They right. I had also tag, no registration, no insurance, driving on permit. What they arrested me on was disorderly conduct. Oh, they love that one. You know what? I was reading uh, the chat, the uh, Amplifier chat room during the break, and somebody suggested that there is apparently some real animosity between military police and city or, or sheriffs, city police or yeah, sheriffs. There's a lot. Really? I mean, um, city police and sheriff think that military police is not um, real police, but they got to think if something happens with their police department and the Department of Justice has to come in, we're going to be patrolling their streets. Did they know that you were a military police officer? Do you think that they uh, they figured that out when they you know ran your plates and ran your license? That Was it obvious you were a MP? I pulled my credentials, man. I carry my own. I carry my badge in my car, and I carry my um, police ID in my wallet. So that could have actually made it worse for you then. <laughs> well, little did I know. Anyways. Right. So right. I had to, I had to sit in jail for about four or five hours, Ugh. and they, they let me out on my own recognizance at 1 o'clock in the morning. Now, I live, on the other side of, I live on the other side of the county from the jail. <laughs> and they took my cell phone. My cell phone was dead by the time I get it back. So I tried to use the telephone because 
you know, one of my relatives said they were going to um, get a taxi for me. I didn't have any money, so I asked the receptionist, who's a quote-unquote um, corrections officer, she's in uniform. Mm-hmm. That's why I use the term um, corrections officer loosely. But um, she asked, do you have any money? I'm like, no, one of my relatives said she's going to give me some money. Well, if you don't have any money, you get a taxi, you're going to be right back here, so I'm not letting you use your I'm not letting you use my phone. Right. So I ended up walking. It took me about five hours for me to walk from the jail back home. Oh, what an awful story, Mac. And uh, so, so sorry to hear so, that. I mean, it, it really can happen to anybody, even people that are in this, you know, part of the system. So long story short, I had I had to go to court. I missed the court date. They told me that I would have to wait five months for the next court date. Well, it took actually it took about about a little more than a year before I even heard from the court. Good lord! And and this time I lost the car. I just said forget it. I just jumped the car, and you know dropped the insurance and um registration. So I had to go to about two or three different hearings. And this time, my former um employer when I was working for the sheriff's department in Richmond, South Carolina, he he was killed, and then the the court date was on the same day as his funeral. I ended up missing his funeral because I had to go to court. And they continued it. So I'm like, I'm talking yeah. to the prosecutor. I'm like, look, I, I mean, a very close friend of mine who police also got killed last week. I'm in here because I'm having to deal with this mess. I'm pushing me back again. The ticket's almost two years old. So what happened, and man? The, the prosecutor like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a, I'm a horrible person. I mean, just, I mean, you can see right through her. Yeah. So I finally, I finally get my bench trial. And they had this one guy, and he had like five, Different police officers, witnesses against them for driving up in the tag and stuff. His next trial was an hour. And the judge who was going, I was supposed to appear before, had to deal with him before he could deal with me. Mac, you got to wrap it up in 30 seconds, dude. Go. So he finished up, and long story short, I'm on pro. They dropped the story conduct, the no contest to this, no insurance, and um, I'm on probation for a year, and I'm paying fine. You're on and probation? I can't my yeah. Oh. <laughs> For failure to lane change? (laughs) Oh, man. Mac, thanks for the call, man. I really appreciate the story. Just another outrageous example of the system out of control. It's devouring its own at this point. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates. Whenever there's something you need to know about the show, you'll know it first. If you're on the updates list, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on it. It's free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet. Check out this amazing doctor-recommended cleanse. Go to ftldiscount.com. Read some real testimonials, and you can find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. We go to the phones and to the fun. Gene in Tennessee on the amp line. Hey, Gene. Hey, I told you guys that uh, um, McCain will probably drop out due to some unforeseen circumstance. You suggested perhaps illness. What are you uh, getting I, at today? Uh, yeah, I suggested I kind of hope that he just dropped dead. But anyway, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's got a lot of dirt on him. But now the Romney, uh, uh, Romney's kid, uh, who's also running for some congressional seat, has suggested that uh, his daddy may jump back into the race mm-hmm. if there's some unforeseen circumstance that uh, prevents McCain from continuing. So 
Hmm. These people at the top are considering the same scenario that I uh, presented. And I think there's a good chance, and we need to get as many Ron Paul delegates in our states as we can, so that if something like this hits the fan, which I think it will, then uh, we'll be ready to move in there because, you know, Romney will be trying to get his delegates and and if, uh, well, if Romney gets back in, which it now sounds like he's planning to do, and uh, so it, you know, you never know who may jump back in there. But uh, well, it certainly was suspicious that he suspended his campaign as opposed to ending it as the other candidates did, and uh, it was interesting that he chose to do it that way. So yeah, maybe he was uh, preparing for this all along. Well, we'll have to see how much of his own money he puts in now because he's not going to get any money from us. Well, you know, in uh, northern Mississippi, or well, in Mississippi State, they haven't done their primary yet, so I've got my Ron Paul truck all decked out with uh, two big four-by-eight-foot Ron Paul for president signs on the back. I built a frame out of a a bunch of two-by-fours and mounted it in the back of my truck, and uh, so I'm driving around uh, the northern Mississippi area with the big Ron Paul signs on the back of my truck. I've had several people stop and ask for bumper stickers and yard signs hmm. and stuff like that. So uh, we'll see how he does in northern in, in Mississippi. I think he might do better in Mississippi than any other state, yeah. even though Mississippi has the lowest uh, concentration of uh, meetup groups and uh, things like that. But it's awfully I, optimistic, Gene. Well, there's a lot of people here that like Ron Paul, including, uh, surprisingly, there's an awful lot of black people I run into that prefer Ron Paul over Obama. As it should be, because Ron Paul's the only one that uh, wants to end the insane war on drugs, which is uh, disproportionately affecting uh, blacks in America. And the only one who wants to end the war, which also disproportionately affects blacks in America. And the only one who stands for individual rights, which protect the rights of individuals and minorities. That's right. So uh, he's the most sensible one, and uh, I'm I'm not giving up hope yet. Good because, for you, uh, Gene. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the way I look at it: is this is our Alamo. This is our last stand. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are putting a lot of stock in the Free State Project, but here's what I here's the scenario I see. All right. We've we've got this one chance to win this election. Four years from now, there's not going to be an internet, at least not anything that we recognize. There will no longer be the ability to run a campaign like Ron Paul's, which was driven and uh, all of his money was raised over the Internet. All those things four years from now will be stifled. Congress will pass Yeah, they're not going to let it happen again, that's for sure. It'll never, ever happen again. So this is our Alamo. If we don't get Ron Paul this time, we're not getting anybody at all. So this is it. And I know you think that Free State... is a great idea, and I'm a member of the Free State Project, and, you know, as soon as we get free here, I'd like to move there, but I'm just thinking that... Uh, this Gene, is I'm totally on board with you on this one. I, I think Ron Paul's the last hope for the United States, too. I, I absolutely do. I that you know, I mean, I am a member of the Free State Project, but I don't think those th- things are separate and um, you know uh, exist separately. No. They're not. Uh, I you know gave all kinds of money, and uh, I've still got the bumper stickers on my car, still got the yard signs no. out. There's not I'm much I can do here money. anymore, but I'm, I'm still giving money. And uh, that uh, the thing about the boxes, we're almost down to the last box now. What do you mean the boxes? You got the soap box. <laughs> you got the ballot box. Yep. You you got the jury box, and we all know what the last box is, and yep. we're almost down to that one. The pine uh, box. And uh, <laughs> as far as and you always talk, uh, Ian, about initiation of force. And yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the government has already initiated force 
when they try and take your money, when they try and force you to do things, they're the initiators of force. So you can't say that somebody who lashes out like, uh, uh, you know, had uh, Ed Brown done so, which he didn't actually, but you can't say that somebody like that is, is initiating the force. I never because, said that. I never said that. I, well, in fact, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I can t- totally understand how someone would, would view it from that viewpoint. All I'm saying is that... It doesn't work. All you're going to do is get killed. That's all. That's all I've ever said well, is that it's, you know, it's not going to actually solve the problem. They're just going to fill their ranks again and uh, come so. back at you tenfold. Sometimes that's what it takes is people getting killed. I'm sorry, but the tree of liberty is uh, nourished with the blood of patriots. Well, and I'm not prepared to, to advocate for that uh, at this point, Gene, but I appreciate your call tonight, and thank you, sir. 800-259-9231. Not prepared to, uh, to advocate that because I think we still have a whole bunch of nonviolent options on our plate in front of us, uh, even if this Ron Paul thing doesn't work out. I understand the feeling of desperation if Ron Paul doesn't, uh, doesn't make it. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. Just what makes more sense to me is, uh, you know, moving to the Free State Project and, and uh, advocating for secession. Right. Uh, the fact is, the police state isn't as bad here in New Hampshire as it is everywhere else. I don't know about that. No, I, mean, it, I don't in see some the ways, stories. I, in some ways, I see what you're saying, but I mean, they, they've got enough cops here. And uh, look, man, I, I hardly ever see the I highway patrol. I pulled out a camera on the Main Street here, and some cop harassed me, Ian. You did what? I pulled out a camera on Main Street. I told you about it. Some cop didn't want to let me film a traffic stop on Main Street. What did he say to you? Uh, he was he, he like zhushed me away after I uh, you know I, I asked him you know I talked to him and asked him some questions. He's like, "What do you do? You can't do that." I'm like, "It's a public street, isn't it?" So you went away when he he asked you to go away. At, at some yeah, at some point I finally did yeah. Right. Well, yeah. you know, thank goodness that Ron Paul has the money from all of his donors that he's been uh, spending very wisely, and he still has enough to to run the race. Uh, this is a marathon, so he's yeah. running it as such, and and he's still in, in the picture. That something could happen where he could he could get the nomination. Yeah, things have definitely quieted down for now, but you're absolutely right, Wayne. There's a long time between here and and uh, you know the end of this year, so anything really could happen. Uh, but Mark, in regards to New Hampshire's uh, pol- so-called police state. I mean, it's nothing like it was in Florida at all. Well, the police not, here aren't. Uh, I, I, I see this. what you're saying, Ian, but there's, there's 300, patrol there's 300 million people in the United States. Say there's yeah. 1.5 million in New Hampshire. You know, you're you're talking about uh, one half of a percentage point of the stories would have to be New Hampshire stories in order for it yeah. to be on an equal basis with the rest of it. Now, it is in L.A., I'll give you that, but yeah, our cops here um, can you know get all puffed up with themselves. I'm not saying it's perfect, Mark. I'm not saying we've got a utopia here. I'm just saying it doesn't... I don't feel as scared here as I felt down in Florida when I see the cops in New Hampshire. Just don't feel the same way. I feel like they're a little bit more professional yes, up here. Yes, absolutely. I one disagree. Eight, 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind, whatever your experiences are that you want to share. Speaking of Los Angeles, we'll go there and talk about new mandatory pet laws that could expand out, who knows, maybe to where you live. So prepare. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki. Over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Get interactive. It's free, of course. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Change virtually anything that you see. wiki.freetalklive.com. And you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACLS CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACLS employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACLS CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACLS CAI. So I got a couple stories tonight about some uh, mandatory, or at least at least one of them is mandatory, health legislation that has been passed could affect your life. But it probably at least the people in Los Angeles, many of them won't be affected by this. But it's it's still the principle of it needs to be discussed. Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa on Tuesday signed one of the nation's toughest laws. Excellent on pet sterilization requiring most dogs and cats to be spayed or neutered by the time they are four months old. The ordinance is aimed at reducing and eventually eliminating the thousands of euthanizations conducted in Los Angeles' animal shelters every year. According to one of the council members, uh, as he, by the way, he said this, as he held a kitten at the City Hall News Conference. Oh, how nice. We will sooner rather than later become a no-kill city, and this is the greatest step in that direction. Another councilman who, uh, like Cardenas, is a co-author of the bill, brought his two pet chihuahuas to the event to be neutered in a van operated by the city. The ordinance does exempt some animals, including those that have competed in shows or sporting competitions, guide dogs, animals used by police agencies, and those belonging to professional breeders. So, some animals are better than others, guys. They get exempted. Well, um, I... 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 Let's see. What do I think? I think that uh, first off, we have an extraordinary, extraordinarily inefficient system going here. Um, first off, uh, you know, you're, we're euthanizing these animals. Well, that's a lot of meat that's going to waste. If we had, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know people think that I'm crazy, but you know, if we, I'm with you. if we had charities run, uh, you know, charities were taking care of feeding the poor here. Mm-hmm. Look at the incentive that people would have to. Not be, you know, living off the dole. If we were using the meat from these sterilized, you know, from these euthanized animals as, uh, you know, to, to feed the poor, giving them to the missions and that kind of thing. Yeah. If, if, if those are the people that were taking care of this, um, this sort of thing, then, well, there you go. It'd be fine. Yeah. Why? Why let all the carcasses go to waste? I mean, you could make wallets and stuff out of them. I don't know what I don't know what different products you can make out of cat or right a dog now the pelts. government's doing it and you know dealing with the government as far as getting that meat I certainly wouldn't want poisoned meat by the way. Well, Chihuahua McNuggets would probably sell pretty well. <laughs> the or calico steaks. They say here that the average pet owner must have their dog or cat spayed or neutered by the time it reaches four months of age, and uh, if they have a letter from their vet, it can be as late as six months. People with older unneutered pets and newcomers to the city with animals also have to obey the law. Wow. The law. Which, that sounds a little dangerous. I mean, if your pet is... Of, 17? Yeah. That's a 17-year-old cat? Putting them under yeah. the knife? They're probably not going to make it out. First-time offenders will receive information on subsidized sterilization services and be given an additional 60 days. 
If they still fail to comply, they could be fined $100 in order to serve eight hours of community service. A subsequent offense could result in a $500 fine or 40 hours of community service. You know something? Fascism is a lot more dangerous than stray animals. No doubt about it. And you know, of course, what happens if you don't pay the fine or go to community service? You know what happens then, right? Jail. You go to the pokey. Oh. What else? What are you in for? Oh, well, I didn't spay my dog. Now, I'd like to point out that I think it's a great idea to spay and neuter your pets. I think it's a wonderful idea. But I don't think good ideas should be forced at the point of a gun. I don't think that's the way we get people to accept good ideas as being a good idea. Yeah, they end up resenting them. Exactly. They, don't do, they do just the opposite, or they find a loophole. Or try to, yeah, try to get around it. Try to avoid the law. Try to uh, do whatever you can to, uh, to pr- prevent yourself from being caught in this way. I don't think using the government to spay and to mandate that animals be spayed or neutered is the solution here. But they do. The ordinance brings the nation's second largest city into line with about a dozen of its neighbors that have similar uh, similar laws. But remember, this is the toughest, one of the toughest. Uh, many states require animals adopted from shelters to be st- sterilized. New York City requires the same for animals bought from pet shops, but restrictions such as those in South, uh, South California are rare. In 2006, Rhode Island now requires most cats to be sterilized. A measure similar to L.A. passed the California Assembly last year but didn't gain Senate support, so it almost went statewide. Los Angeles animal shelters took in 50,000 cats and dogs last year and euthanized approximately 15,000 of them at a cost of $2 million. So, you know what, Mark? You're absolutely right. I mean, if this were to be done in the marketplace, if if these animals were to be taken in by the marketplace, and as sad, sad as it is... I'm sorry, there just aren't enough people to adopt them. Obviously, they well, can't get them out there. Well, they can. The, the thing is, is that uh, you know they can breed like cats and dogs. Yeah. it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, they just keep on coming. And obviously, some people are are not. Uh, they're just not thoughtful when it comes to their animals, and they cause other animals to suffer uh, because they're born. Uh, you know, and and it's a bad thing, but. The the government has created, compounded the problem, more and more problems. Right. All the government knows how to do is use force. And if if they were uh, if they would have just left it alone, people would figure this out on their own. And, and it's exactly what you were saying before. The government, Los Angeles government, spent two million taxpayer dollars to kill fifteen thousand animals in uh, in one year. So if this were in the marketplace and people had market based incentives then, again, it's tragic that not all these animals can be adopted out. But something has to be done with them. In this case, the government is using taxpayer dollars to pay to kill and dispose of 15,000 animals a year. Now, if those 15,000 animals have to be killed or disposed of, if it were in the hands of some private organization, they could turn them into food. They could turn them into products. And instead of costing every single individual in the city $2 million, the company could make a profit on that. Yep. See, I would just pass out doggy condoms and kitty condoms. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. But uh, Bob Barker, by the way, uh, the retired game show host who famously ended every Price is Right show with a call for sterilizing pets, he happened to push for the law's adoption and was among those at Tuesday's well, news conference. Most people don't really think about it. You know, they, all they think is, you know, this would be a, it'd be a, it would be a good thing if people pay, spayed and neutered their pets. And I would agree. But... You know, they're just not going to, and and um, it costs too much. Having the government do anything just costs too much. And they're bringing a gun in the room again. Right. And they also mentioned earlier that it's sterilized. It's a forced sterilization. Uh, so the uh, 
so actually, excuse me, it was a subsidized sterilization. So the government not only is paying to kill 15,000 animals a year, they're also paying to subsidize those who claim they can't afford it. And another thing is... Uh, Which know, taxpayers pay. It used to be that uh, different breeds of dogs were sort of made by selection. Uh, people would say, I like this trait, I don't like that trait. Now you're essentially saying that pe- the people of Los Angeles cannot you know, have this particular hobby that so interested has so interested so many people. They can't take one dog and decide that they're going to, you know, create other breeds unless those dogs have been, you know, shown in shows. Or unless you have uh, permission from the state to do but if, that. But if you see a particular, like, say you like pit bulls, some people do, um, and, and you want a dog that's like this one over here, well, it we had to euthanize it because you can't Sorry. show pit bulls. Sorry. Sounds like they've created yet another reason to move out of California. You've got it, Wayne. Let's go to the phone calls and talk to Jeremy in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Great to talk to you all again. Um, as far as animals and things uh, like that, um, I think it's the responsibility of the owner to decide whether the critters should be uh, neutered or spayed. And not, it's not up to the government. I would agree with you, Jeremy, but uh, apparently the city of Los Angeles doesn't care what people like you and I think. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Are we off base on this? Should the government be involved in spaying and neutering animals? Should they be forcing people to do so? If you want to take that position, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Now, also in the same category of story... The CDC has come down with a ruling about your kid and the flu shot. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away there, so enjoy those on us. In uh, contrast to the other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their websites, ours is free. So enjoy freetalklive.com. If you like the show, shop with us and get yourself some great Free Talk Live branded merchandise at store.freetalklive.com. It's original uh, design, our logo, plastered over hats and T-shirts and hoodies. Uh, Get all the details and grab yourself some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. Coming up, Mark, you've got an update from the uh, We the People organization. We'll get to that probably in hour number three, but first, uh, continuing the topic here, I guess a theme, rather, of uh, government controlling your person or your pets. In this case, they're not quite pets. They're probably loved a little bit more than your family pet. Your kids, your children, they're the next target, and in this case, the target of the federal government, according to the Associated Press. Now, Wayne, you've got a a couple of kids at home, and Mark, you've got one on the way, so Mm -hmm. uh, pay attention. Because annual flu vaccinations should be given to children ages 6 months through 18 years of age, according to a federal advisory panel. Right. I've heard this. I heard this on the news the other day. This, uh, the panel's decision represents a call for roughly 30 million more kids to get vaccinated. If heeded, it would prompt one of the largest expansions in flu vaccination coverage in U.S. history. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices said the recommendation should kick in no later than the 2009-2010 flu season, saying the vaccination should be given as soon as feasible, but acknowledging that many doctors have already ordered their vaccine for the 2008-2009 season. Now, you do understand that I'm never going to give my child a flu vaccination, right? That's good. I mean, I I, I, I managed to live without one. 
I have had two flu vaccinations in my life, and they are the two sickest times I've ever, you know, the, the, the two times that I've been sickest ever. I've had uh, uh, f- temperatures both times over 102 um, degrees, and this was in adulthood. 102 degree temperature is actually pretty serious in adulthood. I, I can't tell you how ill, and I'm, I have to attribute it to the um, flu vac- vaccines. Both times it was within a week after the vaccination. I know they say these things, this is completely impossible. The vaccine worshippers out there, the people that say, oh, this is science. Science can never do any thing wrong there have been tests and stuff well all that means is that there's an acceptable amount of uh you know mortality rate lobotomies are scientific right so you know to, to say that no way absolutely not that the flu vaccine could not have caused you to get this sill this sick it had to have been some just off thing well then your damn vaccine vaccine doesn't work either that's right and how can they predict what strain of the flu is going to be out a year beforehand? Well, this year they've done a poor job of that. Oh, they they never predict it correctly. It's it's a big money maker. Well, of they course, claim though. that they have uh, have done a um a reasonably good job of, of predicting in the past, and I I don't know. Yeah, baloney. And I'm sure that the flu vaccine does work for most people. I'm absolutely certain that it does. But I don't know what the rates are of uh, people that get hurt. And I can tell you that. Uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about a child here from my loins. He, he's liable to get just as sick as I did. Certainly a possibility. But hey, the good news here, Mark, is that they're not doing it for the children. Who are they're they doing, doing for? it for adults. We get to the rest of the story. The panel's advice is routinely adopted by the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which issues vaccination guidelines to doctors and hospitals. The panel and the CDC have in the past recommended flu shots for people considered to be at the highest risk of death or serious, serious illness from the flu. The list includes children ages six months to five years of age for adults 50 or older and people with weakened immune systems. Kids ages 5 to 18 get flu at higher rates than other age groups, but they don't tend to get as sick from it. You know, I wonder why that is. It's because they're in these giant institutions where they're housed with other kids. You know, in some cases, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other little little cesspools of, uh, of viruses. That's how I got lice when I was a kid. I was going I, to school. You know, I mean, this, this, uh, this unnatural organization that we call uh, public school, any school, really, it just doesn't make any sense to se- um, separate kids by these age groups and put them all in one building and essentially do babysitting for the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's where they get sick. Of course they get it at higher rates. We subject them to it. And there's, there's also over 30 vaccinations now that are mandated for every child. To go and to school? To go to school, yeah. 30? Over 30, yes. Wow. And a lot of these things are not deadly, like chicken pox. I know people that used to have chicken pox parties so their kids would get it and be immune to it for life. Really? When, when you get something, uh, when you get vaccinated... Bring your friends over so they can all get yeah, the chicken Yeah, they can pox. all get it and be done with it. And I'm not a few, suggesting this activity. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, few, there's a few others as well. But uh, the point is, is that there's been a lot of controversy also where people have claimed that vaccines cause autism. And there was a, a court case just recently where, where a family sued the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and actually this family was awarded um, a, considerable, a considerable amount of money uh, because they, they decided to compensate the family for the uh, autistic symptoms caused by the vaccination. Wow, they won against the government? Yes, they did. You could win against the government. It just takes forever, Ian. I mean, uh, a sovereign immunity only applies to the people in the organization. Right, but not the government Not agency. the government itself. That's um, right. So it, it, they can sue us, the U.S. taxpayers, had to pay for these, um, you know, these symptoms. And, yeah. the, you know, here's just another one in the face of these, uh, these science worshippers out there that have sent me all this crap that says, there's no way that autism's caused by vaccinations. It's been proven. It was on uh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and stuff. Fuck, <laughs> people. 
just because the science is out there doesn't mean it can't happen. I'm well, as much of, people... of a skeptic as the next guy, but uh, absolutely. I mean, my, I've been an open skeptic- mind. They're not skeptical about the, 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 the scientists. Yeah. Right. You know, the, who, who these people are getting uh, compensated by and what their motives are. That's right. If, if anybody really studied how vaccinations are made, you would never let them inject that crud into your body, for one. What do you do, mean? Do a little research on it. The way they actually create the vaccines, they do it from animal pus and different... I mean, it's unbelievable what they, how they make these things and all the stuff that ends up in them. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't inject that stuff in my body. I'll take my chances. I'll strengthen my immune system other ways. And vaccination uh, uh, treatment is just one theory in medicine uh, in causing immunity to something. There are other theories as well. There's homeopathy and uh, herbal science. There's a lot of other ways you can prevent getting sick or getting a certain disease. So vaccinations are just one method, and some people believe it and some don't. You know, well, I'm not a big believer in homeopathy either, but uh, I, no. I certainly do believe in um, you know herbal supplements. Yeah, abso- absolutely. I mean, well, it's it's, uh, it's plants that they uh, that, that they essentially reproduce to create a lot of medical treatments and a lot of uh, p- pharmaceuticals that you might see on the marketplace. That's so right. Plants in uh, nature are the basis for a lot of the uh, the cures that we see in the market. But the chemical ones aren't as good. <laughs> Some well, right. In many cases. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's continue here, though, because they claim here that they're not doing it for the kids. They say that of the 36,000 estimated annual deaths attributed to the flu, only 25 to 50 occur in children in the 5 to 18 age bracket, say the CDC. But kids who stay home sick from school cause parents to stay home. So reducing the illness in this group should cut down days of lost work in their parents and adult contacts. So that's their claim. They're trying to help you adult folk out by vaccinating your kids Every single year. Now, I don't think that they require kids get vaccinations every year. I mean, you're saying when there's there's 30 of them that are required, but I'm pretty sure it, it used to be the where you got the vaccinations and then, okay, they let you into school and that's it, right? Maybe there's mm-hmm. a couple more points that you would get them at, but now we're talking about annual vaccinations for kids. No, I, the total number was 30 last I checked, and I think it's more now, especially if they want to push the, push this other vaccination program on people. But there's quite a few. If you look at the list, it may vary by, uh, from state to state, but it's excessive. And the other problem is is that they, they have, for years, laced a lot of these vaccinations with thermosol, which is essentially mercury. Uh, and if you just took a little bit of that and you'd probably be okay, but because there's so many vaccinations required, it can reach a, to- a more toxic level in someone's body, especially a child, when there's 30 required as opposed to 8, let's say. I think there's also a factor here that has to do with people always thinking about disease and thinking about sickness. I think that focusing on things like that can be kind of negative for you. I think that uh, that's what this kind of news does is it says are these these uh, recommendations this isn't mandatory yet but look for that in the future sure uh, so it's recommended now that kids get vaccinated every single year for the flu yeah our government's but, running around doing recommendations i mean shouldn't the government just be there to protect the borders but having parents being all upset and very concerned about getting their kids oh did i get my kid the right shots this year he might get sick and then that transfers to the kids and you know if you worry a lot you're more susceptible, I think, to uh, to coming down with something. Absolutely. And the other thing is they've, done, they've done tests where when someone consumes uh, sugar, like table sugar, anything very, very high in sugar, your immune system is suppressed or, or paralyzed for several hours after. So just uh, having a better diet can help uh, make you more immune to things because we're exposed to viruses, flus, everything all the time. We don't always come down and get sick because our immune system is strong enough. 
So a lot of people believe that, that if you can strengthen your immune system enough that even if you get something, you won't get it very badly, and then you'll be immune for life as opposed to just being immune temporarily with a vaccination where you have to get a booster shot a few years later. And either way, this is a uh, frightening story coming out of uh, D.C. Again, it's a uh, recommendation for now. But as soon as the school boards and the government agencies in each state get a hold of this recommendation, they're going to say, oh, the CDC saying we've got to annual, annually vaccinate these kids. So that's going to be a new requirement. If you want to send your kids to the government school, you've got to go get these vaccinations. Kids will have to show them to their uh, first period teacher when they come to school. Otherwise, we're going to kick them out, which, of course, would be the best thing that would ever happen to your kid, getting kicked out of government school. More on the way. Hour <laughs> three is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. Start with Lee in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Lee. Hi. Hey, you hit a nerve with that because... With what? You guys can't remember with the vaccines back in the late 50s, anyway, that I know uh, in the 60s... uh, they marched everybody down to the gymnasium in our town and uh, whacked the kids up, but you could file a religious exemption. My parents had, so I got to sit in the class with the Jehovah Witness kids, <laughs> which I wasn't, but it's kind of a, you know, a trauma-type thing. You're an outcast, and right. we entertained ourselves, drawing picture paints or whatever. But anyway, um, my kids became old enough for school, well, even pre preschool, which was a daycare slash preschool at three, mm-hmm. they wanted to have them to have their shots. Hmm. The key word here that people need to know is mandatory and mandated. The what you, what's the people that ninety percent of the time you're dealing with don't know the difference, nor do you. I didn't know the difference at the time, and that's right. when I get as wound up as Alex Jones gets because I fell for it. I, you know, I'm self-employed, single parent, kind of have to have the kids in preschool and daycare for a while. Mm-hmm. So my oldest boy had never had the shots in his life. And both the wife at that time and I got off on religious stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. But the doctors, when they're born, they immediately want to whack them up. Yep. Yeah, you know, and then they want to whack on their credentials if they're a boy. I mean, you know, they really want to get her all done. And, you know, about an hour after the poor guy comes out the the door, so... Um, well, okay, hold on that's a second. horrible Lee. stuff to do to a brand new kid, you know? I, I, I feel you, man, but I want to know what you're, you're saying, suggesting the difference is between mandatory and mandated. Mandated I, is if you want to uh, follow the Healthy Child program uh, recommended by our government officials, then you need to get these shots, and actually it's up in the 60s now by the time they're 18, plus they have all these boosters. I didn't get my first shot past the dentist. Um... Till I was 28, and I was working at a car dealership, and to get on their insurance program, you had to have a tetanus shot. Mm. Okay. There is mercury in them. They changed the name. They've actually increased the amount of mercury if you research that deep enough. Uh, it's all for shelf life. You know, they can get a decade out of there. 
but Please. any of it's bad. But, but anyway, you I told the line with my kids so he didn't have to sit in the classroom and be, you know, exiled like everybody else because they talk. I didn't know the difference between the word mandated, which means you want to follow the government's rules or you have the right to do your own thing. They just don't tell you you have the right. And I have had principals tell me that the whole bit. And um, you haven't explained the difference yet, Lee. Well, I mean, mandated just means that it's essentially rec- recommended. But it's you know, a recommended it's program. A, if you want to be on the healthy child program, mandated means there's rules and laws and jail time. The difference is kind of mandated that you stop at a stop sign or a stoplight. Um, mandated means that we suggest you go around this corner at 45 miles an hour. Yeah, I think you're wrong about that. I mean, I, acceptable. I'll pull up the dictionary here, but I'm pretty sure you you're wrong about that. There. The, uh, I mean, the, the root word there is mandatory. Mandate, and ma- mandated, and mandatory are just different forms of uh, the same root word. So not I, after they got through with their regulations, it is two different things. Well, well maybe by law, you're saying there's a different. Uh, you're saying there might be a different law definition. Well, for one thing, parents can just go ahead and say, "No, you're not doing this to my kid," and then see what happens. Oh, I agree yeah. with that, but is that what you're getting at, Lee? Is you're suggesting that in law they are defined differently? In the laws that they've implemented, they had to be defined differently. Okay, well then, then that There's makes sense. There's a lot sense. of documentation on that, but what gets me so wound up is I towed the line because I didn't know, and then I had a couple of the parents that caught wind of this in the preschool going, "Well, I'm glad you finally got the shots for your son because I wouldn't want my kid in school without uh, having his shots." So, being the smartass I am, I said, "So." <laughs> What good did the shots do your kid? If you're afraid, what do you get the shots for? You're afraid you're going to get something. Yeah, right. Well, you I get mean, the shots, and you're worried your kid about was safe. He had the damn I shot. should be worried about my son getting something from your kid because supposedly he's immune. That's Lee, right. thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. As always, 800-259-9231. What I was getting at there is in the world of law, they can define words differently, differently than, than, what they uh, mean. Yeah, than regular old English. And uh, frequently, if you look at a if you look at a law, and I don't know why you would want to, but if you look at a law, in many cases they have a section called definitions. And if you go into that section and you look at the different words that you thought you knew what the definitions were, turns out they can just define them completely arbitrarily. You could define the you know the color orange as something blue if you wanted to. That's how law is because it's a completely different language. See, they have no uh, th- there's no obligation for them to follow actual English. They right. can create this their the own definition. This is the sick thing that's happened to law because it didn't really used to be that way. Essentially, what a lawyer was back in you know the time of the revolution was somebody who could read um, pretty well. You know, I mean, mm. a person that was very literate and and that kind of thing. Now it's something entirely different. We can all read, so they've had to change their crap. Around so that we can't read what it is that they're writing. Just looking at the actual definitions here, uh, mandatory is an adjective, authoritatively ordered, obligatory, compulsory, pertaining to, of the nature of, or containing a command, compared to mandate, which is a noun, uh, and that is a command or authorization to act in a particular way on a public issue given by the electorate to its representative, a command from a superior court or official to a lower one, an authoritative order or command. So, obviously, very similar terms, but Lee saying that apparently in the law books, according to him, they might be defined differently. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. So, uh, let's see, Mark, you were going to tell us, speaking of the courts and the law, Apparently, the We the People organization has been busily trying to get the Supreme Court to rule 
on the last ten words of the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights. And I will read those words to you. The right of a people to peace, uh, peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances shall not be infringed. It's never ruled on that part of no, the... No, uh, it, it has amendment. never ruled on redress of grievance from the standpoint of a citizen redressing grievance with its government. Right. Um, it has uh, ruled, and the Supreme Court has, well, and lower courts have ruled um, on employees... Government employees. Right, redressing grievances with the government. Right, then government employees redressing gre- um, grievances with the government as an employer, but it has never ruled on um, you know, a situation of citizens redressing grievance with the government. Now, a bit of, a bit of history uh, should come into play here about what exactly, where this case come, came from. Uh, the We the People organization is kind of a group of uh, constitutionalist types that would like to save the country. You know, they'd like to bring back the republic. I'm with them. And uh, I'm not. I'd like to secede and forget the republic. But I understand where <laughs> they're coming from because I was once with them. I once felt the same way that they did. And uh, so I, it's, interest, it's been interesting to watch as they continue to receive failure after failure, trying to use the system to remedy itself. And what they've been doing for the past several years is they've asked various different government bureaucracies questions that they would like to have answered. Tough questions. Well, for instance, they would ask the IRS questions about taxes. Uh, You know, where's the obligation to pay taxes? Where's the law? All these questions that people that have been in opposition to taxes have been asking the IRS for years. They also asked a number of questions about uh, the war in Iraq and, uh, you know, getting out of the war. And there were a few different other issues that they were asking questions about. And they never got answers. They never got answers from any of these government bureaucracies. So they took it to the next step. They, uh, they then asked the questions of all of the representatives in Washington, D.C. They took them and hand-delivered these questions to these different offices, these government offices and representatives, and they gave them a deadline as to when they could respond by, which was a very reasonable deadline. Nobody responded. Nobody answered their questions. They could have cared less that citizens of the United States of America were redressing redressing grievances. So they then took it to the courts. They then figured, all right, well, we want to find out what this part of the First Amendment means. We thought we could bring our grievances to the government and have them redressed. At least that's the way the First Amendment makes things sound. And they went from level after level after level through court after court after court, basically just being slapped down and saying the, the courts have essentially told them that... You can say stuff to the government, but we don't have any responsibility to respond to you. To answer, you. Right. right. The government is, you know, it, it, we, we needn't respond to you, citizens. So they've taken it all the way to the Supreme Court. We'll give you the update on the case here in moments. 800-259-9231. Tell you what it means, or at least our interpretation. We'd love your thoughts as well. It's Free Talk Live. <laughs> Free Talk Live, you bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there, we give away. So enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and grab them right there on the front page of the website. Click download. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. We just give them away because that's the way a good talk show website should be. Free archives at freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use the code FTL to save 10 bucks. That's LegalZoom.com. All right, so back to the update, the latest on the situation with the We the People lawsuit. 
Uh, we the People is a uh, very interesting organization that has been for years trying to kind of fix the system from the inside or at least get some answers uh, out of the system, out of the government. And they've been asking questions for years, uh, asking questions about the uh, the war in Iraq and its constitutionality, asking questions about uh, the uh, the IRS and the tax code, and who is obligated to pay. And they they've, they've never gotten answers. And that's not an exaggeration. They've never gotten no, answers. No, they haven't. So they took it to the courts. They figured, okay, well, we're going to use the system that is set up here for us to, uh, to, you know, to address these issues as the system was meant for us to do, right? That's what they, uh, that's what they believed would would be the case. So they went and they took the First Amendment. There's a a, a portion of the First Amendment about the. The fact that you should be able to petition the government for a redress of grievances. In that, if you have a problem, you bring it to the government people, and they're supposed to redress that problem and, and, and tell you something about and prior it. Prior to like the 1830s, I may, might be slightly off here. Might, it might have been 1820s, but essentially, the government, the, the Congress, responded to everyone who wrote in with a grievance. They mm. responded to them. Well, they got sick and tired of responding to. Um, the grievances about slavery, the abolitionists, or excuse me, the abolitionists writing in and that kind of thing, and the uh, so the southern uh, representatives are like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And so they essentially said, we've we've said that we've said it to enough to you people, and so they essentially stopped the practice. So right. there's the, there are 50 years of uh, nearly 40 years of history in this country of uh, of the, the the Congress redressing grievances, and now they don't. And so what the uh, We the People organization has done, by the way, their website, GiveMeLiberty.org, they took it to the, uh, the courts. They, get sm- they got smackdown after smackdown from the courts up until the level right before the Supreme Court. And I, don't remember what, I don't remember what order circuit the courts court. Circuit courts? Okay. Up until the circuit court, and the circuit court said, also smacked them down and said, nope, according to what we have to say, government doesn't have to say jack squat to you. You can write all the questions you want to government. That's your right, freedom yeah. of speech and all. Feel free to write whatever but, uh, you like, citizen. But getting an answer, nah, we don't have any obligation to answer you. Which actually ties right into several Supreme Court decisions uh, that have very clearly laid out over the years that government has no obligation to provide you with even the most rudimentary of services, including protection services. There is no obligation on the part of the government to do anything for you at all. Which, of course, uh, as our friend Mark Stevens would uh, point out from Adventures in Legal Land, that if there's no obligation on the part of the government to do anything for you, then there's no citizen. Because if there's uh, because the definition of a citizen is someone who owes a duty of allegiance in return to, uh, for protection from the government. Well, the Supreme Court has said there is no obligation to protect, so therefore there's no citizen because there's no duty. You, you don't have any duty if they're not holding up their side of the bargain. Right. So, uh, so again, the circuit court slapped him down and said, nah, we don't have to say anything to you. Us government folk. So they took it to the Supreme Court. And then last month, uh, just actually in the middle of the Liberty Forum here in New Hampshire, Bob Schultz from We the People was actually there. We had him on the show. We interviewed him about this. Great guy. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's great. Stellar the, guy. That very weekend, they got the word from the Supreme Court that the Supreme Court would not be hearing their case, which essentially upholds the circuit court's verdict that the government doesn't owe you jack in the way of an explanation. And Bob Schultz sent out an email, and I'm on his email list, so I'm, I'm getting these updates as you are, Mark. Uh, and he sent out an email saying that they've almost exhausted every single legal uh, venue that they could possibly exhaust to get this case heard and, and seen by the government. 
by the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, and they said there was one more option, and that would be to actually give it another shot with the right. Supreme Court. I guess they get to appeal one time and they, get them to reconsider. Right. The, the Supreme Court can turn down hearing, you know, they don't refuse to hear it, they just don't say anything. And then you can uh, essentially say, hey, 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 what about my case? And then they actually have to respond saying, yeah, we're not going to hear it. So what has happened, Mark? On February the 25th, 2008, the Supreme Court of the United States, without comment, voted again not to hear the people versus the United States. Thus, SCOTUS ducked its constitutional duty, yet again, to declare the meaning of the last ten words of the First Amendment. The court elected not to be put in the position of having to declare the unalienable right of the people to hold the government accountable to the Constitution's essential, essential principles. What is the court's duty? The Supreme Court. What interpreting the Constitution. To interpret the Constitution, that's right. Right. It's, it's decided not to interpret the Constitution. It has never, ever ruled on these last um, t- ten words of the, uh, of the First Amendment, and it's going to choose not to do that. It's never ruled on them in this capacity. And, it's, and this capacity is not even close to the other capacities. It, hasn't, um, it didn't rule on those other two cases. Actually, the circuit courts did, and it just sort of, you know, did, by not hearing them, upheld the circuit courts. So there's, they're they're ducking, they're out there slashing the hell out of the Constitution, just trying to bury it as often as they can, and then when something obvious comes up, it's clear, it's obvious. Anybody who takes a look at this realizes that the government is ducking its obligation to redress grievances. The Supreme Court doesn't even hear the case, Mm -hmm. refuses to hear it. And once I heard this news at the Liberty Forum, this was a change for me. Um, you know, it, th- this is where I went from. Let's save the republic. There's something we can do that you know. You thought the system worked. You thought it could. Uh... I didn't. I didn't think that it worked, but I thought we could hold hold them accountable. And this is where I went from. You know, United States. It, it's worth saving to. I, as far as I'm concerned, it's a sinking ship, and I think that uh, New Hampshire should secede. Now, I, I'm all for the United States being saved. Believe me, I want Ron Paul to get uh, elected. I do. And, and, and at that point, I think, th- I think we're talking about a, a turnaround here. Call me a negative Nancy. It looks like, it looks like the, uh, they, the Republicans might have uh, edged him out. Yeah, he's not, not out of the race. No, he's it's I, not over. No, it's, it's not over. And I sincerely hope, and I'll continue to, to give what, what a- is asked of me as far as the campaign goes. But I, I, just, I feel like the United States is a sinking ship, and I just don't care... I, I just don't think it's worth saving anymore. I love the Stars and Stripes. I love the uh, the patriotic music. I like things to do with the United States. But as far as I'm concerned, we should disband the federal government. The, the America, I like. The federal government, I don't. I think we should get rid of it all. Everything, just get rid of it. Whatever we get out of the deal is certainly not worth what we pay into it. Here, here. Yeah, like we were talking about off-air before. I think that if you look at this, this is kind of like people storming the gates, and they've got a big battering ram, and they're hitting the gate, and they're hitting it, and it's giving a little bit, and it's giving. And eventually, when enough people hit it hard enough, the gate opens up, and then things happen. So it takes enough people to be persistent enough over time, and things will change, and they do change. But why would you want to even break down this gate? Then what are you going to do? Go in and keep the federal government around? I mean, it's not even worth keeping it around, Wayne. I'm not saying to keep it around. Maybe that's not the solution. But all I'm saying is for, for something to happen, something to break where there's change, you have to be persistent I've and keep I've got a solution. Working. I've got a solution. It involves ignoring these thugs in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, this guy in uh, West Frankfurt is going to be doing with his local thugs uh, when, it, when he's going to be holding a smoke-in. We'll tell you what that is all about coming up here in moments. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those. They include the Shrine of Female listeners with dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Don't beg. Don't fight. Don't depend on a democracy. The only way to get your liberty is to build it yourself. Read Freedom Engineering. It's an anarcho-capitalist adventure series at www.freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. I haven't agree with that. Don't beg. That's what I wanted to uh, touch on next here after we just read you the uh, not surprising news from We the People. Uh, we the People again had uh, filed a lawsuit trying to get the Supreme Court to take a look at the First Amendment to the Constitution and actually interpret for the first time ever what it means when it says you have the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Lower courts had said, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. We don't have to say anything to you people when you ask us questions. And the Supreme Court has apparently agreed with that by default by refusing to hear the case. So it's upheld the lower court's decision. And it has refused to hear the case now twice in a row. So it's done. We the people can no longer bring, you know, they can't bring this challenge back at this point. Uh, and so I know that uh, Bob Schultz and We the People and their website, GiveMeLiberty.org, they're going to be going around talking to people about what the next step should be. And I got the impression from what he was saying that the next step may actually involve some level of civil disobedience. And I'm hoping that's the direction that they go in, because I don't think there's any other within-the-system method for them to make any changes beyond completely flushing out all the politicians that are in there and electing 535 Ron Pauls, uh, which, you know, you and I both know that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, the question is, what can you do? And I think that uh, stopping, stopping participating with the federal government is step number one. We've already pointed out that they have no obligation to provide you with anything. So why do you have an obligation to give them anything? Hmm? You don't. If they're sending you something that says you owe them money, well, how did you come to owe them that money in the first place? Where was the contract you signed that said you'd agreed to give them this money? And if you were agreeing to give them money, well, what were you giving the money for? Certainly they were returning in kind with some level of service It's a social you. contract, Ian. Right. The mystical social contract that no one's ever seen, let alone put their signature <laughs> on. Uh, you know, the fact is there is no agreement with the federal government. And courts, court decision after court decision is making that crystal clear. You know, if it hasn't been clear yet, this one should really knock it into your head. This government could give a flip about you and your rights and your freedoms. It's all about them. It's all about government and its power and its increasing power and control over your life. And you know what? As long as you keep letting them control you, they're going to keep putting on more restrictions. They're the government. That's what they do. Right. They govern things. Right. And, and the restrictions have become so onerous at this point that now you can't even challenge the restrictions. Now you can't even ask them questions about the restrictions. Now they just say, well, you have to pay your taxes, and if you have questions about it, you know, as to how, why you have to pay, well, too bad. Bite us. You have to pay because we said so. 
That's all it is at this point. It's arbitrary rule by a bunch of arbitrary bureaucrats making arbitrary decisions about your life and but your freedom. But they're elected democr- d- democratically, Ian. Oh, well, that makes it all okay. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And it's time you stopped obeying. There's no, there's no benefit to you. They're just fleecing you. They're taking your liberty and your cash. And if somebody on the street were to take your uh, freedom away from you, were to kidnap you and take you to some cell and force you to break rocks, you'd be pretty upset about that. If somebody were on the street were to hold you at gunpoint and take your wallet from you and uh, empty out all the cash you had in it, let's say you had a few hundred bucks, you'd be rightfully very upset about that. But yet when the federal government forces you to work 33% of the year or 50% of the year, whatever it is, the, the estimates vary, you're working all of this time at your job just to pay federal taxes, let alone your state taxes, local taxes, just to pay federal taxes, you're, that's forced labor. You might as well be breaking rocks out in the hot sun. And Well, you have the option of, uh, of, of not working and uh, taking welfare, I guess, is the other option, right? Okay, there you go. Uh, that, that's nice. Live in the projects. Right. So, so you, you're either forced to work or go on welfare or you, uh, you, you just have your, your money extracted from you. You're forced to work and you have your money extracted from you. I mean, this is the worst of both worlds. At least when the thief on the street takes your $100 from you, you probably won't see him again. Right. He's not going to come do it every week. Well, let's not also forget here that, that the, the state and local governments have two ways of raising money. They've got taxes, or they can borrow, which also indirectly taxes you somewhat, too. The federal government's got three options. They can borrow, they can tax, or they can inflate. They can print the money. They can print the money, which they're doing a lot of now. So the thing to watch out for now is, is if a Democrat gets elected, of course, they, they're talking about repealing the, the Bush tax cuts. Well, great, except the taxes haven't gone down. They just, they've just changed form. So... And then they talk about soaking the rich when they forget that, that the top 25 earners in this country pay 86% of the, of the, of the income taxes already, right now, mm-hmm. as it stands. Um, and the last time they talked about soaking the rich, I remember in the 90s, um, I had some friends who were yacht brokers, and they imposed this luxury tax on yachts mm-hmm. and on luxury cars and on small aircraft. Well, those industries almost died, and all the rich people were still buying them. They're just buying them in foreign countries. Or they're Hmm. buying them used. Or they're buying them used, exactly. You know, because there's no luxury tax on buying a a used one. You know, so what happened? Well, the people that built the planes and the yachts and all that other stuff. Poor craftsmen. Right. Right. They're not poor, but they're, you know, not as wealthy as their clients. Upper middle class. No, they they actually absolutely couldn't afford the yachts that they were building. But those are the people that suffered. And, and no one will. The, the, the Democrats certainly will never learn that every time you tax something, somebody who actually earns a living out there gets hurt. That's One right. In that industry, men. and that's what happened. The, the yacht industry almost died. I mean, a lot of people lost their jobs in the small aircraft industry in this country. They eventually, after a year or two later, they immediately repealed it because they saw how destructive it was. Right, it's the power to destroy. And 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 then they forget too that the top one percent earners in this country, the really 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 rich people, um, account for about twenty percent of the income, but they pay forty percent of the tax. And those rich people, you know, the really really rich people are going to find ways around things too, oh, yeah. despite that. Well, so they have the incentive to do. That. They they have the incentive exactly. What the more rapacious and the means. Gov- that's right. And the more rapacious government becomes, three things happen: you got fear, you got flight, and you have fraud. And We've got it all. And that's what happens. We, you have it all. So. That's the problem. And the fear, I have to say, is the biggest problem. 
Uh, that's why the, it continues to go in the direction it does. That's why government continues to grow and continues to become more intrusive and more controlling because people are so frightened to, to be disobedient. Stop obeying these thugs. That's the only thing that's going to change it. If people just stop uh, obeying their orders and their diktats and stop sending them money, stop feeding the beast. Yes, Wayne, I understand they can turn on the printing presses and print out as much as they want. So let's start dealing in gold and silver. How are they going to handle that? They can't. There's all kinds of things we can do in the marketplace as free men and women to put a stop to this. But if you insist on continuing to be obedient, then nothing will ever change. And I've got a story coming up here about a smoke in and one man who has decided that he's had enough. And we'll tell you about that if we get a chance. But first, we've got to go to your phone calls. Kevin in Minnesota, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Kevin. Kevin, Minnesota, going once. Hey, I'm here. Hello, Kevin. What's on your mind? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, one day off yesterday, there's a video out by the American Justice Federation called American Under Siege. And they go into fine detail about the concentration camps. But about today's topic... There's a Google video out called The Occult World of Commerce, and it talks about the bank and how the bank, or, or not, excuse me, not the bank, but the bench or the judicial system, that bank comes from, or the bench comes from the word banco, which is the definition of bank, and in that occult, occult world, or excuse me, the occult world of commerce. In this video, it discussed how we are nothing but products of the country. And I didn't believe yeah. this until I was part of the U.S. Census. And who sends out the census for the people? Commerce. Department of Commerce. Human resources, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks real, for the call tonight, human resources. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. The smoking. We'll tell you about it. Take your calls as well. Jordy and Calgary, uh, Calgary coming up. Anything goes. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. Toll free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And if you like the show, by the way, you can uh, support us by shopping at Amazon. I got the numbers back, by the way, finally for uh, for December. And we we did about $800 more in commissions in December this year than we did the year before. Wow. So... It was pretty good, man. It was, like it was a good Christmas for Yeah, it was like an $1,800 month in, uh, in commissions alone. Wow. So you buy the stuff you need at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You'll get a great deal. You'll get the products that you're looking for, uh, the brands that you trust, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage. Now, I don't expect January's numbers are going to be that good, but uh, it's, it's nice to watch them sort of go up and up and up slowly over time. Uh, yeah, there's more, no way January could be as good as December. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But. As, as more people continue to find the show and listen and decide they want to support us, and there's no easier way to do it. I mean, sure, there, there sure isn't. Right. You've got to buy stuff to live. You've got to buy stuff to entertain yourself with, and Amazon's got it all from food to electronics to furniture. In fact, I just ordered some furniture on there uh, the other week, as a matter of fact. So uh, we'll get a cut if you start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That's all you need to remember, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go back to the phone calls here. Talk to Jordy in Calgary. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Jordy. What's on your mind? Uh, I'd like to know if I'm out in the sun breaking rocks all day, will I be allowed to sing, or will there be a bylaw telling me I can't? <laughs> you can sing, but you have to ask the boss when you can take your shirt off. 
Hopefully I'll it's talk a female about, boss. Uh, about dildos, those those people called bylaw enforcement officers. Oh, okay. Um, I got a. I, I usually work a fourteen-hour day, and yesterday I got home and had a notice telling me I needed to remove ice from my sidewalk down to the bare concrete, and if I didn't within twenty-four hours, that the city of Calgary would workforces would perform such duty. Oh so my goodness! Pay. Of course, yeah. they'll they'll charge you at forty dollars an, an hour or something. Now, oh, yeah, well, they, now they, when you say bylaws, yeah. this is like the equivalent of code enforcers down here in uh, in the states, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just guys working for the city to go around. I mean, there's you have to register your cat, and if you don't register your cat, you can get <laughs> fined. And right. We we're the second city in North America to outlaw trans fats. And, oh, and that's just, something to be proud of. Oh yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. I'm just wondering what but I mean. Clearing the ice. I mean, back to the demand. Clearing the ice off the sidewalk. I mean, once a layer of ice has built up there, that is no easy task. Well, it isn't. I mean, I had to go to Home Depot to get a, a scraper, and I got home about 9 o'clock last night, and I was out here till probably 11.30 scraping stuff off. And so I spent two and a half hours last night scraping ice off my sidewalk. <laughs> wow. I've always wondered what the... what It seems like around here in New Hampshire that people have an obsession with shoveling off their driveways, uh, but I don't think it's because there's some law that mandates that they have to. At least I've not well, heard of such yeah. a thing. The worst thing is the land on the, the city built the sidewalk, and the sidewalk is lower than the rest of the land. So when the snow melts, <sighs> all the water pools on the sidewalk, and of course, <sighs> when it gets cold at night, it freezes. Wow! So Good the city—that's crazy. So the city's basically saying that you have the responsibility of taking care of their property. They built the sidewalk, and it's not your sidewalk because you can't like destroy it. You can't change it. It's not your sidewalk. But because it's adjacent to your property, it's your responsibility to spend your hard-earned uh, time and money on actually maintaining it for them. Yeah, on the deed to the property, it says it's the, the city's property. It doesn't say it's, it's mine. <laughs> oh, I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's just yet another asinine law that, uh, if you, of course, if you disobeyed and you didn't go out and break your back clearing off the ice from the sidewalk then they would probably fine you. As you said, they'd send out workers to do it, which would cost you through the nose, which essentially turns into a fine. And, of course, if yeah, you don't I mean, pay the yeah. fine, then they're going to probably take your house from you or put you in a jail cell. Well, big time. And I've ended up, I mean, this time I got smart. I took pictures before and after and, and sent it off to them. So they, because they've done it before and I've cleared it off and then they've ended up uh, charging me anyways. And they, the huh. workers they sent around didn't do anything. Un. Unbelievable. Jeez. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. And uh, they, they just tell you that they're going to do it and, and yeah. then charge you for it. They do whatever they want. That's right. They do whatever they want. And they need to be disobeyed like this man. This from Southern Illinoisan. Illinoisan? Illinois? Illinoisan? I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, I guess it's Illinoisan. SouthernIllinoisan.com. Uh, West Frankfurt. A call from authorities hasn't halted one West Frankfurt man's plans to host a peaceful protest against the state's recently implemented smoke-free laws. John Hemminghouse has been passing out flyers and making phone calls to invite as many people as he can to reach a to yeah, as he can as he can reach to a March first event he's calling a smoke in. He says this country was founded on civil disobedience. It has gotten to where now people are afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. It kind of makes me mad that everybody has turned into cowards. And you know what, Mr. Hemminghouse? I couldn't agree more. Monday afternoon, Hemminghouse said he was recently contacted by Williamson County State's Attorney Chuck Garnatti in regards to his plan. See, they always get wind of this crap in advance if you announce stuff like that, uh, breaking the law. Chuck said I'd be taken into custody and get a $2,500 fine. 
Nobody I know can find anybody where anybody in Illinois has been arrested yet for breaking the smoking ban. Hemminghouse owns Wounded Rig Incorporated, a boat, fiberglass, and gel coat repair shop located on uh, wherever in uh, West Frankfurt. Although he falls under the jurisdiction of the Williamson County Sheriff's Department, he said the state's uh, county, the county state's attorney said that the law enforcement would be present at his event if he couldn't be talked out of hosting the rally. Henninghouse said he can't be persuaded to back down and instead called the Illinois Smoker Rights Organization and also contacted a national smokers' rights group. As for fines and punishment he might face, Hemminghouse said he'll skip vacation to spend his money on the cause he backs, even though he stopped smoking about five years ago. So let's recap this for you here. This man does not smoke. Right. He runs a business that doesn't have anything to do with smoking. It's not a bar. It's a boat fiberglass and gel coat repair shop. But he understands that it's his business that he's the one that's paying the rent or the mortgage, and that he should be able to set the rules. Beverly, good man here. Beverly Irvin, uh, locally another smoker, says she fully backs his attempts to bring light to the injustice that's been inflicted upon business owners. She said it's a good idea. The man owns his business, and he should be able to do what he wants anyways. I think it's good. I'm Heming- sure. Hemminghouse said others are also on his side, including several other non-smokers. The man is so determined to have his point heard, he's posted a large sign in the front yard of his business, which reads, My place, my choice, smoking allowed. In a previous interview, Adrian Heron, the health department bureaucrat, said in an educational letter, it said an educational letter is first sent to business owners mm-hmm. when a complaint is filed. Heron said a second complaint calls for a second warning letter and the option of making a visit to the establishment. A third complaint makes an establishment subject to citation, said Heron. Heron and officials with the Illinois Department of Public Health didn't make any reference to arrests stemming from noncompliance, and Hemminghouse said he's already lodged an official complaint against himself with state officials, (laughs) but wants patrons to know he plans to host the protest in a peaceful manner. The event is scheduled for March 1st at high noon at Wounded Rig in West Frankfurt. High noon at Wounded Rig. <laughs> Sounds like Face a movie. Face off with the police. <laughs> I love it. This is amazing. And it's about damn time, too. It's about time somebody stood up to these asinine laws and said, F you. This is my business. How dare you come in here and tell me how I should run my business? And what are they going to do? They're going to throw him in jail and shut his business down, and then there's going to be unemployed people mm-hmm. and... and, and People who need their serv- a service done on their on their boats that can't have it done now. That's right. All in the name of protecting public health. Public health. So asinine. And I, I wish this I wish this was happening more often than I it, wish. I hope some of our listeners go and support him. If you live in the West Frankfurt area, absolutely. Uh, there's no number here for him. Is it there's, Kentucky? Frankfurt, Kentucky. No, no. This is Illinois. Frankfurt, Illinois. West Frankfort. F R A N K F O R T. And again, the business name... It's worth making a couple-hour drive just to be there. The business name... Oh, gosh. What was it? I'm missing it now. Anyway, his name is uh, Hemminghouse and Wounded Rig. There it is. Wounded Rig Incorporated, March 1st, high noon. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Make that trip if you can be there. And uh, I'm going to try to make an effort to to get this guy on the phone. And we'll see if we can talk to him. Because the last guy we talked to in Illinois wasn't as vehement about it as this guy we had a bar owner that was on with us he was going to stand up but it was kind of you know it was sort of very personal situation it wasn't hey you know i just i just want to 
I believe that my particular situation allows for smoking in my bar. You know, screw all the rest of those people. Yeah, he, he wasn't really coming at it from a principled perspective, and he didn't want it to be seen as civil disobedience. But this guy obviously is embracing it. As again, he says in the article, the country was founded on civil disobedience. It has gotten to where now people are afraid to get into trouble. It kind of makes me mad that everybody has turned into cowards. Well, Mr. Hemminghouse, not everyone has. In fact, a number of those people that aren't cowardly are here in New Hampshire or moving here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. We are some of them. We invite you to join us. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about that. And it has been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. I'd like to extend the invitation personally to him, so I'll do my best to get in touch. We'll see if we can get him on the show. Uh, more tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.